Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Good Tuesday, all. March 17th, 2020. This is Locked on ACC. Hi, I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. Glad you're here. I am from FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest. You can follow us on Twitter if you'd like. We are at Locked on ACC. Get announcements of new shows, etc., etc. You can also email us your voice memos, your thoughts, your takes, whatever else. LockedOnACC at gmail.com. You can also follow me. I am at Sports Matters on Twitter. Not all ACC stuff, but enough. Also, we ask of you, if you like what you hear, like, rate, follow, share, and subscribe, please. We could use the help. Another big show today. We'll get into a little bit of ACC news before we gas up the DeLorean and head on another trip. Go ahead and get started by mentioning two ACC players, one a star, one not yet. In the transfer portal, the news dropped early yesterday that Landers Nolly from Virginia Tech was going to the transfer portal. It's been reported by Jeff Goodman late last night that he's already gotten interest from Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Mississippi State, Alabama, Wichita State, Florida, and Minnesota. Apparently, his first visit will be to Georgetown, according to Jeff. I thought our buddy Kevin Sweeney over at CBB underscore central. If you're not a follower of Kevin's, you should be. He had a pretty cogent take on this. And I'll just tell you what he said. Said Virginia Tech pretty much went as Landers Nolly did this season. First 17 games, 18.1 points per game, 5.6 rebounds per game, 2.5 assists per game. Shot 420 from the field, 400 from three, 778 from the line. Virginia Tech went 13 and four. Final 15 games, 12.5 12.5 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, 2.3 assists per game. Shot 311 from the field, 211 from 3, 783 from the line. Tech went 3-12. and 12. Kevin says he was pretty awful down the stretch. He continues, though. He says, that's not to say that this isn't a legit blow for Mike Young and Virginia Tech. Nolly was the only guy on the roster who could consistently get his own shot. That said, with the recruits coming in and the development of some of the other young pieces, I doubt this will be catastrophic. Catastrophic, no, but a problem, yes. Now, Mike Young does have the Wofford transfer, Keve Aluma, who will be eligible next year, has a pretty solid recruiting class at Virginia Tech and a number of young freshmen who played key roles for the Hokies this year. So I'm not terribly concerned, but Kevin's got a valid point. He really struggled down the stretch, as did the Hokies. The other transfer, Bryson Goodine leaving Syracuse, Apparently going to Providence. That was fairly quick. One quick note about Nolly before we move on to Goodine. It was said in a piece that Mark Berman wrote in the Roanoke Times. Uh, Mark Berman, friend of the show and good writer, mentioned that there was no real ill will between Nolly and his family and Coach Young and none in return. Just that Nolly wanted to go somewhere where he could be better used Apparently, his family feels that he's a two or a three, a wing-type player. And Mike had him playing a little more down in the paint. Just a difference in philosophy happens. Curious to see what his next step is. Goodine, on the other hand, a 6'3 guard from New Bedford, Massachusetts. He was a top 100 recruit at Syracuse. Played 23 games this past season. Started none. Averaged just shy of nine minutes a game. 
Averaged 1.9 points a game, one rebound a game, 0.7 assists per game. Shot 30% from the deck, 12.5 from three, 78.6 from the line. So we'll see what happens with Goodine, whether or not he is indeed headed for Providence, although that is now the report. Pouring rain, by the way, outside the Locked On ACC studios here in South Carolina. It'd be nice if it would knock that off. I mentioned we would take a trip in the DeLorean, so go ahead and hop in. Buckle your seatbelts. We'll set it for 88 miles an hour and head to 35 years ago this year, 1985, in a very pivotal NCAA tournament. Maybe not so much for the ACC, but for the NCAA in general. More on that in just a minute. Some of the items that happened in 1985. President Ronald Reagan sworn in for his second term on January 21st. We Are the World recorded January 28th. Such a horrible song, but a moment in time. The 57th Academy Awards held March 25th. Amadeus won Best Picture. The last time we heard from Tom Hulse. July 13th, Live Aid took place. That in London and Philadelphia. You'll recall... The stories that came out after it, Phil Collins apparently performing in London and getting on the Concord and flying to Philadelphia. September 11th, Pete Rose becomes the all-time hit leader in Major League Baseball. Had his 4,192nd hit at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati off Eric Shaw. He should still be a Hall of Famer. That's a whole other deal. We won't talk about that on this program. September 13th, Super Mario Brothers released for the NES. Super Mario Brothers. I didn't get to play that game until much later in life. But man, what a great game. Births in 1985. January 16th, Joe Flacco. February 5th, Cristiano Ronaldo, the Portuguese soccer player. April 1st, Daniel Murphy of the Colorado Rockies. May 2nd, Kyle Busch. May 6th, Chris Paul. June 30th, Michael Phelps. October 7th, Evan Longoria, the Giants, star third baseman. October 8th, Bruno Mars. December 8th, Dwight Howard. And December 11th, Samantha Ponder was brought onto the earth. Three celebrity deaths of note in 1985. February 12th, Nicholas Colasanto. You may not recognize that name, but Nicholas Colasanto, the famous coach on Cheers. I've gone back and binge-watched Cheers about 200 times in the last few years. The show was still good after Coach passed, but it just wasn't the same. And then May 8th, Dolph Sweet passed away. You may wonder who Dolph Sweet was. He was the father figure on the show Gimme a Break in the 80s, among with other things. There are episodes of that floating around, too, if you want to go back and watch old 80s programming and get a little bit of a laugh. And then the other celebrity death that year occurred December 31st. Ricky Nelson passed away in a plane crash into Cab, Texas. I was lucky to have been brought up on music from the era before mine and the era before that. A lot of Ricky Nelson's older stuff is really good. If you feel inclined to go check that out. Very quickly, the 1984-85 standings in the ACC. These were all the rankings according to AP when I mentioned a team's ranking. Georgia Tech won the regular season. They were 9-5, and 27-8. They were number six. Number seven, North Carolina, nine and five, 27 and nine. Number 16, NC State, nine and five, 23 and 10. Number 10, Duke, eight and six, 23 and eight. Amazingly, this was not yet Duke's 
coming out as what you know of Duke these days. More on that in a minute. Maryland 8 and 6, 25 and 12, Clemson 5 and 9, 16 and 13, Wake Forest 5 and 9, 15 and 14 in Virginia, 3 and 11, 17 and 16. Virginia by the way, last in the ACC that year, went to the NIT where the Cavaliers lost to Tennessee in a game that most Cavalier fans still talk about to this day. The All-ACC team very quickly. First team, Brad Darty of North Carolina, Johnny Dawkins of Duke, Mark Price, Georgia Tech, Lorenzo Charles of NC State, and the legendary Len Bias of Maryland. If you get a chance, go back and watch Without Bias, the 30 for 30 on Len Bias. Uh, I don't think people even now really appreciate what Len Bias could have been. I don't think anybody really knows what Len Bias could have been. Uh, We all kind of hear the talk about Len Bias and people who knew Len Bias and knew what Len Bias could offer. And we lost him way, way too early. Second team, Kenny Smith of Carolina, Adrian Branch of Maryland. You've seen Adrian Branch on TV a time or two. John Sally of Georgia Tech, Mark Allery of Duke, one of the underrated guys in Duke's kind of, I don't even want to say resurgence, but surgeons. And Kenny Green of Wake Forest, your second team, all ACC. We've set you up. You know where we're going. Go ahead and take the first break. We'll come back. And in segment two, we'll take you through the ACC tournament and much more. You're listening to Locked on ACC, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Locked on ACC, March 17th, 2020. I'm Brian. You are listening to one of the podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. And now we are going to go back into 1985, where we were before the break, and we'll take you to the 85 ACC men's basketball tournament played in the Omni in Atlanta. Rest in peace, Omni. The champion of the league that year won its first ever ACC title. The coach won his first ACC title. And the MVP was from that team. You may remember, if you were around watching basketball at that time, you may not. So let's tell you how all that shook out. The quarterfinals, the one seed Georgia Tech, they were number nine in the nation. They beat Virginia 55-48 in the tournament opener. 4-5 game saw Duke beat Maryland 86-73. 2-7 game, North Carolina beat Wake Forest 72-61 in overtime. And the 3-6 game, NC State over Clemson, 70-63, to to close out the quarterfinals. Semifinals, Georgia Tech-Duke, the 1-4 game, Ramblin' Rex, 75-Duke, 64. The 2-3 game, North Carolina clips NC State, 57-51. And then the championship game, which aired, believe it or not, on NBC. Yes, NBC used to air college basketball, along with... Raycom, Jefferson Pilot, et cetera, et cetera. The first ever championship for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets in the ACC. They beat North Carolina 57-54. Mark Price, the MVP. Let it be said, by the way, I got a chance to meet Mark Price a number of times when he became a head coach and took over at Charlotte. Great man, just ended up not being the right fit where he was. We're talking about fits. Not sure that Mark Price was the right fit at Charlotte but he was the right guy to get them to the next stage where they are now. So on to the NCAA tournament. 
We've already taken you through the ACC. The NCAA tournament, the 85 NCAA tournament, notable for a few reasons. First of all, it was the last game played without a shot clock. Yes, no shot clock in that game, if you can imagine that. Also, the first tournament with 64 teams. They added 11 teams before the 85 season. First and second rounds, the East in the Omni in Atlanta and the Hartford Civic Center. Southeast, interestingly enough, Dayton, the UD Arena and the Athletic and Convocation Center in South Bend. The Midwest, the Hofheinz Pavilion in Houston and the Maybe Center in Tulsa. And the West, the Pitt in Albuquerque and the Special Events Center in Salt Lake City. The regional finals and semifinals, the East Providence Civic Center, the Midwest, the Reunion Arena, the Southeast BJCC Coliseum in Birmingham, and the West, Denver's McNichol Sports Arena. The Final Four played in Rupp Arena in Lexington. A notable atmosphere for that championship game, and we'll talk more about the championship in just a bit. But first, let's get into the NCAA tournament, give you a little bit of background on what happened where. We'll start in the East. Georgetown, the number one seed, they went to Hartford. They knocked off 16th seeded Lehigh, 68-43, 8 seed Temple, 63-46, 4 seed Loyola of Illinois, 65-53, and then got into the regional final against an ACC team. We should tell you about their path. The two seed in the East, that year, Georgia Tech, getting to play in Atlanta. Just an amazing home court advantage for the Yellow Jackets. They played Mercer in the first round. Mercer, the 15 seed. Georgia Tech beat them 65-58. Then a 70-53 victory over future ACC opponent Syracuse. Syracuse, the 7 seed that year. Then beating Illinois 61-53. Illinois, the 3 seed, who had beaten Georgia. This was all set up for a Georgia-Georgia Tech uh, semifinal. Didn't work out that way. So Georgetown, Georgia Tech for the East Championship in Providence after Georgia Tech had gotten a pretty significant home court advantage in the first two rounds. Georgetown 60, Georgia Tech 54. The Hoyas on to the Final Four. Great run for Georgia Tech that year, but it just didn't work out for them. If you look at that game, Georgia Tech had three double-digit scorers. John Sally, 15. Mark Price and Bruce Dalrymple, 13 apiece. Price, 3 of 16 from the floor in that game. 7 of 8 from the line. Just a really rough night for Mark Price and a rough night for the Jackets. Georgia Tech only hoisted 40 shots in that game. They were 16 of 40. 22 of 24 from the line. No three-pointers in that game either, since we didn't yet have a three-point line. Moving on, the Midwest, Oklahoma, the number one seed in the Midwest, they got to play in Tulsa. They beat North Carolina A&T, the 16th seed in the first round, 96-83, then beat the nine-seed Illinois State, 75-69, went on to Dallas, where they played fifth-seeded Louisiana Tech, beat them 86-84, and then went on to the regional final, Faced off with second seed Memphis, and Memphis beat the Sooners 63-61. They were Memphis State at the time. The ACC team in that regional, 
The Duke Blue Devils, they were the third seed, went to Houston, knocked off Pepperdine 75-62, then got to round two and lost to 11 seed Boston College. Ironically enough, the future ACC foe for Duke, 74-73 BC over the Blue Devils. Four Blue Devils in double figures in that game. Tommy Amaker, 19. Jay Billis, 15. And then you had Johnny Dawkins alongside them with 18 and Mark Allery with 12. Dan Mahar, the other starter, by the way, if you're ever asked in a trivia competition who was the other Duke starter alongside those four, Dan Mahar is your name. Duke, 23 of 63 from the field in that game, 27 of 37 from the line. Duke bows out in the second round of the 1985 NCAA tournament. We'll go ahead and take the final break. We'll come back, take you through the other two regions and the final four. Come on back to us in 1985. This is Locked on ACC. If you've been a listener to this podcast, you've probably heard all the great advertisers working with Locked on to reach sports fans. But what you may not know is that Locked On ACC is a great way for your local business to reach passionate ACC fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with ACC fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, let's put your company right here on Locked On ACC. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Locked On ACC, final segment of the program. March 17th, 2020, we are... Firmly planted in 1985, and we have two more regions to review from the 1985 NCAA tournament along with the Final Four. Two ACC teams in the Southeast, Maryland sent to Dayton, where the Terrapins faced Miami of Ohio in round one, the 5-12 game. Maryland wins the squeaker 69-68 to advance on to the second round. The Terrapins would play 13th-seeded Navy, They would win that game 64-59. Navy, the 13 seed in that tournament, had knocked off LSU in the game prior, 78-55. You might recall one of the names on that Navy roster from 1985, that being one David Robinson. The Admiral, 38 minutes in that game, 11 for 18 from the floor, 22 points. Maryland then went on to the next round, in Birmingham, where in the round of 16, the eight-seed Villanova would knock off the Terrapins 46-43. That was the first of two ACC victories in a row for the Wildcats. If you go down to the bottom of the bracket, North Carolina, the second seed in the tournament, the Tar Heels opened up in South Bend with 15-seed Middle Tennessee. No, I won't say anything about that. 76-57 Tar Heels. North Carolina then faces off with Notre Dame in a home game for the Irish. Crazy. 60-58, to Carolina beats Notre Dame in South Bend. Carolina then goes on to Birmingham and plays essentially another home game against Auburn. The 11-seeded Tigers had just knocked off Kansas, 66-64 in the round prior. Carolina 62, Auburn 56. And then Villanova 
faces off with Carolina and defeats them 56-44 in the regional final in Birmingham. Villanova on to the final four. Carolina in that game, one double-digit scorer. Brad Doherty had 17. That was it. The other starters, Kenny Smith played 40 minutes and had four. Joe Wolf played 34 minutes and had four. Buzz Peterson played 20 minutes, had no points. And Dave Popson played 14 minutes and had five points. Carolina 20 of 44 from the deck, 45.5%. So Carolina succumbs to Villanova, who wins the Southeast. Then on to the West, where NC State is your ACC representative. Tell you more about them in just a minute. St. John's, the one seed in the region, they defeated Southern University 83-59 in Salt Lake, then went on to beat ninth-seeded Arkansas 68-65 in Salt Lake, then moved on to Denver, beat 12th-seed Kentucky, who had just knocked off 4th-seeded UNLV. St. John's an 86-70 winner in that one. They then advanced on to the regional final, and we'll tell you more about what happened there in just a second. Mentioned NC State, the ACC representative out west, they were the three-seed, beat 14th-seeded Nevada and Albuquerque in round one. You may recall Albuquerque, the site of their glory two years prior. 65-56, the Wolfpack victory in that game. Next would be UTEP, the 11th seed, who had knocked off six-seeded Tulsa. State 86, UTEP 73. The Wolfpack then went on to Denver, where they beat seven-seeded Alabama, 61-55. And then they met St. John's, the 1-3 game to determine the West Regional Champion. St. John's 69, NC State 60. Two Wolfpack scorers in double figures. Lorenzo Charles 15, Spud Webb 14. State shot just 39.6% from the field in that game, 21 of 53. So State knocked out in the regional final in 1985, giving us a final four of Villanova, the eight seed, playing Memphis State, the two seed, and St. John's and Georgetown, the number one seeds battling each other, three Big East clubs, and a Metro Conference team. Ask your parents about the Metro Conference. In the Final Four, Villanova beats Memphis State 52-45 in the first game in Georgetown over St. John's, 77-59 in Game 2, setting up a Villanova-Georgetown final. I'm telling you, if you find that you're missing sports in your life, this is not ACC related, but if you find that you're missing sports in your life, go on YouTube. The entire championship game from 1985 is viewable for you. It is unlike anything you've ever seen. It is basketball from a whole other era. Like I said, no shot clock, no three-point line, none of it. But a Villanova team that defied the odds from beginning to end. And you need to go back and watch it just to watch Raleigh Massimino go completely bat blank at the end of that game. Also, this was back in a time when announcers used to actually set up games before they were played. This is how the lead-up to that game sounded on CBS in 1985. This was the scene a year ago in Seattle. Tonight, Georgetown and John Thompson are poised to join the great teams from the past that have won two straight national titles. San Francisco in the 50s with Bill Russell. UCLA with Lou Alcindor in the 60s. And the Bruins again in the 70s with Bill Walton. 
Like those champions from other eras, the Hoyas have been brought to this historic moment by a giant force in the middle. The overpowering presence of Patrick Ewing. Tonight, this superb athlete is playing his last college game. But Ewing's muscle is not the whole Georgetown story. For the supporting cast this year is better than ever before. These 85 Hoyas have more speed and depth than previous teams in the Ewing era. Molly Massimino's scrappy Villanova team is the last hurdle in Georgetown's path to a second straight championship. And the Wildcats have their own blend of impressive skills. Their strong suit in this tournament has been an aggressive and complex defense. Villanova has held four opponents to under 50 points. On offense, the Wildcats rely more on poise and finesse. They will try to control the tempo of the game with a structured and deliberate style of attack. They are a veteran team with a history of playing Georgetown and Ewing tough. And tonight, these cats are more confident than ever. So grab your bag of popcorn and step on inside the Rook Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the 1985 NCAA championship between the Wildcats of Villanova and the Hoyas of Georgetown. You know, this one championship game transcends a lot more than just this season. This is the end of the Patrick Ewing era, and after tonight, we'll know just how good this Georgetown team is. Only five schools have ever won back-to-back -back NCAA championships. It started with Oklahoma State back in 1945. The last school to accomplish that feat was UCLA. They won seven in a row, and it finally ended in 1973. And so now, Billy Packer, Georgetown is just one win away from joining the elite. Well, Brent, just two years ago, we were saying Houston, 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 one of the great teams of all time. Now we're saying Georgetown, Georgetown, Georgetown. Remember, NC State won that game two years ago. So it's not without reason that maybe Villanova could do it tonight. Such a fun point there from Billy Packer at the end of that game and a fun intro to listen to. Like I say, go on YouTube, find that whole game and watch it. It's out there. You might question everything you've come to know about college basketball, but it's just it's it's one hell of a fun game. Get out there and check it out. You heard Billy mention the point about how NC State won two years prior and how Villanova could be the giant killer. And they were. Villanova, your 1985 national champion, 66-64 over the Hoyas. You probably know that. What you don't know, there were four Wildcats in double figures. Dwayne McLean, 17 points. Ed Pinckney, 16. And in the pregame stuff, John Thompson mentioned how concerned he was about Ed Pinckney. Harold Presley, 11 points. And then there's the story of Harold Jensen. Harold Jensen, a reserve at Villanova, played 34 minutes when Dwight Wilbur, one of these starting guards, could only play five in that game. Jensen, five for five from the field, four for five from the line, scored 14 points. Fun story. Go back and watch that game, like I say. Patrick Ewing held the 14 points for the Hoyas, seven of 13 from the field, only at five rebounds. David Wingate, your leading scorer, for the Hoyas, he had 16 on 8 of 14 from the field. Bill Martin and Reggie Williams had 10 apiece. The Hoyas, 29 of 53, 55% from the field, just 6 of 8 from the line. Villanova only took 28 shots. The Wildcats hit 22 of those shots, 
shot 79%. They were also 22 of 27 from the line. There are times where you can see teams go two medias and put up 28 shots. Villanova put up 28 shots in 40 minutes of basketball. Like I say, it will challenge everything you know about the game, but it's fun to watch. The all-tournament team, Dwayne McLean, Ed Pinckney, Gary McLean, Harold Jensen of Villanova, and Patrick Ewing of Georgetown, ACC players in the East Regional, Mark Price, Bruce Dalrymple, and John Sally of Georgia Tech, the Southeast Regional, Brad Darty and Kenny Smith of North Carolina, and the West Regional, Lorenzo Charles and Spud Webb, ACC representatives on their all-regional teams, respectively. And there you have it, folks. The 1985 NCAA tournament and the ACC tournament along with it. So see, I've taken you back in time. I've given you a fun story. I've told you about how basketball was back then for all of us who didn't really know. And I've given you something to watch to cure your lockdown blues. You can go watch the 1985 National Championship game on YouTube. There are a bunch more out there, but definitely go watch that game. It is just, it's an incredible watch. And with that, that'll bring to a close another episode of Locked on ACC couple of favors, if you don't mind, like, follow, subscribe, share, also rate us. We are Locked on ACC, as you know. We would love you to spread the word. Also, tweet us. We are at Locked on ACC. Send us an email, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. We would love it if you would interact with the program. This is fun. We'll do more of these, like I say, because everybody's doing brackets. I'd prefer to do something a little different. Not that what they're doing is bad. I just, I like bucking the trend. So now, that ends Tuesday's edition of Locked on ACC. Thanks for joining us. I'm Brian Wilmer. Have a good one, everyone. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And if you like what you heard, tell your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Draft Dudes. This has been Locked on ACC, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. See you tomorrow. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>